You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Well, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. This is Drew. (laughs) I'm here (laughs) to set up another Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast episode. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Abram and Creek. How are you guys? Doing Yo, well. <laughs> lacking did you, sleep. Did you like my intro? <laughs> I did. We who has who wonderful. has what? Did you all watch Tiger King? Well, of mm-hmm. course. Okay, all right. It's I kind watched of obligatory every episode quarantine. because uh, my family originates from that region of Oklahoma. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now my yeah. family is not representative of <laughs> what was portrayed. Okay, in Tiger King, Drew, but we know you have to maintain an image. But let's <laughs> no, just be honest here. <laughs> I'm just trying to honor my, honor my people. But uh, it was fascinating. Anyway, yeah, don't, there's so much to say on that subject, but we should probably move on. <laughs> yeah, I suppose maybe we could do a Tiger King uh, oh, <laughs> breakdown. Type all the characters <laughs> some other time. <laughs> I'm sure that's been done though. But oh, I'm, oh it, it would still be yes. fun. Yeah. Indeed. All right. All right. What are so we doing today? Today. We are going to talk about how to engage the Enneagram beyond just the surface level, which makes sense because uh, this podcast is called Fathoms, and you know our our goal is to go deeper with the conversation on the Enneagram, and so we're going to do that today. Because too often, I think the Enneagram is framed in one of two ways. The first is as a personality typology, which is really more about in the pop psychology or psychology realm. And then the second is in the realm of a esoteric spiritual technology. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, so when we find Enneagram content uh, displayed or produced or presented, we often see it packaged in one of these two areas mm-hmm. or some sort of confusing combination of the two. Mm. And I'm hopeful that in today's episode, we can find uh, a, a third way. It really doesn't make it um, accessible. Um, you know, when you've got it from a dualistic perspective of one or the other, um, you know, it leaves out a whole half of of a, a group of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, also, I mean, you're kind of naming the psychological and the spiritual, but right. those two things are inseparable from development. You know, they work in tandem if you're, if you're really, if you've got either one of them accurately. Um, actually, I'm just thinking of this, this quote from, uh, Risa and Hudson, I forget which one of their books it's in, but, uh, they say that no matter what Enneagram type you are, be aware of the transformational process. Psychology without spirituality is arid and ultimately meaningless while spirituality Mm -hmm. without grounding in psychological work leads to vanity and illusions. There you go. Yeah. It really does seem that that duality does seem just like the East meeting the West in a lot of right. ways. Right. Oh, the, sure. uh, yeah, the, the, as, as Americans, it's easy to see Eastern philosophy and religion as woo woo instead of it just a, um, another form of engaging the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to, not to say that we all agree with everything that happens in the East and we also don't agree with everything that happens in the West. Um, there's, there's so much, there's so much crossover, there's so much confusion. And I think, um, the Enneagram is, is a tool that kind of transcends, um, the sort of boundaries of thought and and feeling. Yeah, I agree. I also think when we look at it just as a psychological personality typology. I think that reinforces uh, a simplistic or static approach to the Enneagram, which is not um, not valuing or honoring the Enneagram's kind of dynamic nature and mm-hmm. uh, the movement and the change and the growth and the transformation. Uh, but when we also package it as this kind of vague, ethereal, spirituality that's only accessible to a select few who can, you know, go to these 10 day retreats at these beautiful resorts or whatever, uh, that also carries significant problems of accessibility. And so I think we, 
there's got to be a different way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Abram, in, in a conversation that you know uh, you and I and Creek had offline, you you mentioned just in passing, as you do these this brilliant kind of framework that we're going to unpack and talk about, which is uh, three kind of concepts related to the Enneagram that all start with the letter P. Mm-hmm. So personality, potential, and practice. So we want to break those down in this conversation today to help us get out of these ruts that uh, a lot of Enneagram content can uh, be found in and help us get onto a path of growth or transformation. Totally. So Abram, where did you come up with these? I'm not entirely sure where, you know, obvi- obviously it's it's true that there's nothing new underneath the sun. And I'm sure I've heard all of these words from somebody else in the past. But I just, I've said before that um, uh, the Enneagram is a two-part tool. It's really, really important to understand that because if you see it as just a typology, yeah. then it's, you know, just, then it's just being used as um, a system for interpersonal ego management, like I'm mm. this mask and you're that mask. Well, I can't do this around you. Well, I can't do that around you. So we never change, right? But yeah. I've just said it's the two-part tool, that of personality and potential. That was one of the ideas we threw out yesterday. And then I also just said, well, what about also the importance of practice? And then I think it was the combination of us of us three that kind of put these three P's together. Well, that's kind of you to include us in your brilliant idea. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's some collective wisdom going on, though, I hope. There you go. And I hope there that that, that will emerge in this conversation. Uh, but this conversation also reminds me of one of my favorite passages in, in poetry and from T.S. Eliot's The Rock, in which Eliot ponders on the idea of wisdom and knowledge and information, which I think Mm -hmm. applies to this conversation on the Enneagram. So he writes, where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? And where is the knowledge we have lost in information? And we are so rich, in fact, overwhelmed with information on the Enneagram right now that Mm -hmm. we have to sift through a lot of it in order to, and work through it in order to get to knowledge and then even do greater and deeper work in order to uh, let the Enneagram help us cultivate wisdom. So hopefully we'll at least um, make a small contribution (laughs) in that effort here with this conversation today. Yeah. Even, I mean, even informa- that information, knowledge, wisdom thing, that that alone we could do an entire podcast on because um, there's just so much there. Yeah. Not only like what does it somatically feel like, mm-hmm. but how do you go about cultivating each one of those and why each one of those is important sure. to the other one. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to talk about personality. We're going to talk about potential and then we're going to talk about practice. So Abram... Help us get a good start and a good trajectory with personality as it relates to the Enneagram. I shall help you. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so you know, we all know this, um, but personality uh, or persona is is a uh, Latin for mask, right? A theatrical mask, which which is so fascinating to think about. But you know, it, there's lots to say about this, but it's it's really a limited set of traits um, that make up this persona or mask that we've identified with over time um, is who we are. You know, we come into the world vulnerable, um, entirely dependent on other people, and we're trying to get our needs met, right? But we can't communicate yet. And so um, basically, you know, we the, the personality is sort of a stand-in for our true self or our essential nature that right. felt threatened when we were growing up. So. It can be, you know, it can be thought of as like a, a com- compensatory self or a false self that's uh, incredibly necessary, um, as it's how we we get our needs met and interact in the world uh, safely. But it's also, it really is the means by which we we uh, we are tr- we lose our true self. You know, it gets kind of buried. So, right. yeah, like I said before, you know, we 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 try on these masks, or we practice these traits to get our needs met, and then we just kind of lose we lose sight of the fact that we are not our mask, but we're so deeply identified with it. Uh, it's like the fish swimming in the water, right? What's water? What, what, what's my mask? Uh, um, so that's the, that's the tricky part. That's the confusing part. All these, these uh, patterns are wrapped up in who we think we are, our identity, which is why it's so tricky to, to let go of it. But 
But I, I, one one uh, analogy is you can think of it as like a cast. I forget mm-hmm. where I first heard this from. It might have been actually Suzanne Stabile, but it's um, it's a cast. You know, when you break your arm, you need a cast. You need to put some some protection on it. And the problem is, if you don't ever learn to take that cast off, well, you're probably going to lose your arm, right? And so, a yeah. lot of people, most people, never learn to disidentify with with their mask. So, um, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one way to engage what personality is. But I also also think it's really important to note here um, that personality is specific to everyone in the room, everyone in the world. Um, it's uh it's it's you know it's there's seven billion people in the world, and so there's seven billion different personalities, whereas any or enneagram type or any type is more of a filter or a lens through which your personality gets expressed. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dave, author Dave Langale says that type is a focus underneath personality. So this is this is where a lot of people confuse um, calling them. I I think personally, I don't think they're personality types. Enneagram types that kind of I can make sense of that, but it kind of confuses and why people stereotype and say, like, all nines do this. Right. When you have to contextualize the type for the human being that has all their life experiences. Because um, peace will look different for, for me than peace will look than, than for somebody else. Or something might feel conflictual for me uh, that, so, that really isn't for somebody else. Or, or success looks different, but that's based on somebody's life experience. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I like that description because I, I think we... At this level of Enneagram engagement, at this personality mm-hmm. level, I think we do kind of resort to some fairly simplistic kind of traits, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we know like core desires or core motivations or core fears, and these are helpful starting points to understanding who we are and who we are not. But uh, often, you know, so much of our kind of activity and existence in the world is is really by default and on on these kind of autopilot settings, right. and uh, and we only are beginning at this level to recognize, right? Just to yeah. begin to start to see uh, some of the things we do in opposition or in contrast to what other people do, right? Right, mm. and that's really about it at this level. And so here, you know, the Enneagram, and this is a really helpful starting point. That I, it, it's really critical, so I don't want to diminish it, um, but it is just a starting point because um, right. the Enneagram is not just a sorting hat, you know, to sort out all those seven billion people into nine different houses, you know, a la totally. Harry Potter, right? Mm. Yeah, it's not um, a filing system for people, as right, Russ Hudson right. says. Yeah, so right. I, th- I think uh, I think it, it's calling us to something deeper <laughs> than that, right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, it's important to say, you know, remind people all the time, uh, you have a type, you are not your type. The same way that you are, you're not your personality, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So important. And that's that's the tricky thing is when people stop with the typology, they celebrate who they're not. So that's yeah. what we're trying to do here, right? I don't know if I heard this from you, Abram, or where I heard this from, but our enneotype is the overcompensation of the thing we perceive we lack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that just shows up in so many ways in my own life. Um, so much of our existence is that finding the ways where our perceptions are not lining up with reality mm-hmm. and where how so much of our actions are lined up with, with that perception and that need to force the thing that we already have. Yeah. Mm. Um, and to learn, I mean, like, like what Leslie and, and Deborah both looked at, hinted at was was just the opening up and the resting in the thing yeah. that that you think you lack and and then sooner or later the more you call to it the more it'll it'll rise to the surface yeah. and you'll see that you already have it. And Creek you you mentioned our conversations with Leslie Hirschberger and Deborah Uten. So if you're new to this podcast please go back and and listen to those interviews that we did with those Enneagram master yeah. teachers cuz they're really profound. Yeah. yeah, really profound. You're gonna have to listen to them a few times. Probably, yeah, because we, we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. but I do think this is the draw of the enneagram to a lot of people. It, you know, because uh, I think uh, most of us we kind of get tired of um, e- you know the either or kind of personality descriptors that 
we probably carried with us until we encountered the Enneagram, right? We either were introverted or extroverted. We're organized or disorganized, you know, these sorts of mm-hmm. things. And the Enneagram expands that language. But even by expanding the language, it's still in kind of that reductionistic space unless we do something else with it, right? right? Yeah. And so this is where potential comes in. Our second word that starts with P uh, from Abram. Because once we reach a point of recognition of our personality, we must then continue to go deeper and explore the potential that the Enneagram points out to us to grow and develop and change. Mm -hmm. Because as, Mm -hmm. as we've already established, type doesn't define us, right? We are not our type. And, you know, I believe any Enneagram fan or enthusiast can master the Enneagram of personality, at least that information, with enough reading, with enough acquisition of knowledge. But if that's the extent of it, then it really is just that sorting mechanism that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then we have to get into the space, well, what can understanding who I am and who I am not tell me or teach me in terms of my own human potential. So then here we begin to see that our inner lives are, you know, are not just defined by the restrictions of this character type structure, but perhaps I would argue a journey home to our true and integrated selves, which we'll get into. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What would you guys have to say about this space that the Enneagram can give us of potential? Yeah. I, I love this. This is, this is honestly primarily one of the main reasons that I that I knew I would give my life to the Enneagram because when I realized I am not solely a, uh, when I realized I was living a automatic set of patterns, those are not who I am. Then I realized, whoa, what else am I capable of? Holy cow! What? Wh- who? You know, what's what's my capacity here, and how much yeah. have I not been living out of that? So for me, this is huge. But I think of potential as um, sort of our ever-present capacity to be the rest of who we are, or yeah. or uh, or maybe even the the ability to unbecome, um, to become uh, more than who we always thought we were. Yeah, yeah. And I'm always I've I've just been I've always been drawn by. Um, some of the monastics, the Christian monastics and, and St. Irenaeus said that, you know, the glory of God is man fully alive. Yeah. So how do we, how do we access more and more of our full human capacity? You yeah. know, that's yeah. what, that's what, where I go with this stuff. But what about you? And Craig? I think even just going into, into that quote, right. What does fully alive actually mean? Yeah. And being fully alive. I, I mean, for some, I mean, at least, for, okay. For me, the image that immediately comes to my mind is like, I don't know, traveling the world and like having all the money and, and doing all the things, being comfortable. But that's not, that's not what he's speaking to. It's the, it's the integrated self where, where everything belongs, where everything is here, where everything is now. And that there is no, there is no, um, striving or, or pushing or withdrawing or any of that to, to get anything other than what is right now. Yeah. yeah. And that is the fully aliveness. That's mm. the accepting of the, of the full life that is now yeah. and not somewhere else. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, especially as a dominant type three, you know, I could easily cast this concept of potential in terms of productivity and efficiency language. Mm-hmm. Well, I have, okay, I did all of this, but I have the potential to do all of this, right? Mm. To accomplish, to achieve, to strive, to produce. And that's not really what we're talking about here. Um, It really is, at least for me, I think it's true for all types, but I'll I'll speak from my own uh, perspective. As the dominant type three, uh, potential really means for me learning what it truly means to be a human being more so than a human doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that re- that's a whole different look at potential than uh, what is affirmed in my surrounding culture, <laughs> what is celebrated. Yeah. And so this is where I think uh, understanding my character structure as a type three is really helpful to say, wait, the potential that I've been striving for may be misguided. 
that I need mm-hmm. to actually recast what potential looks like for me. Yeah, and I think we we also, I mean, we have to be careful that so we see we see our potential and it's like, okay, I need to be more kind. And so you end up right. being doing all these things and being more kind or or acting more kind rather. And but the but if the heart doesn't follow, if there's not like 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 you were saying, Drew, like if there's not wisdom associated with that change, with that presence and awareness, then it's just another form of your ego expressing itself. Sure. Um, and it's such a tricky balance to find of again, where's our ego and where's our essence sure. in every in every action. And the potential is always there. We just have to tap into it. Right. And it's and it's not it's less of an action and it's more of an awareness. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I think of, um, you know, keeping in mind with of spirituality and, and uh, psychology working hand in hand, Meister Eckhart to- talking about spirituality as uh, subtraction rather than yeah. addition. Right. Mm. And even, you know, when you look at when you look back at all these these writers about spirituality, they, they, did, they address basically it's about waking up and uh, and you can kind of decipher the difference, I think, um, between the ego and 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 your essential self from like why do you have to keep leaving is this moment satisfying is this moment mm-hmm. enough if i can be here and you know your type is what shows up when you don't right what hudson says but it's it's the thing that it pulls you away from being present because this moment isn't enough yeah mm-hmm. uh, i i need something more to satisfy me but if i'm in if i've learned to be if i've which is so what, what everybody's trying to do in this season. But if I've learned to, to be who I am without doing anything, uh, you know, being created in the image of God um, mm-hmm. already enough, then then I won't need to try and fill in that space, right? That uh, that empty that empty feeling. Uh, yeah. And there's lots of ways we can go with that. You have to go into that empty feeling to, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it, it's just worth stating you know, that potential doesn't always mean, <laughs> it, you know, one thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. but getting into this space of, you know, our own understanding and living into our own potential uh, will pr- look different for each type. And then we'll, there's vast diversity even among people who have the same dominant type. And this is where I think, and we've said this before, but, you know, I often refer to type as the trailhead, right? That type is the trailhead mm-hmm. to right. a journey to be understanding who we truly are. And uh, this is also where I like to borrow uh, the phrase, uh, the, uh, the illustration that Annie Diamond, you know, our friend, um, teaches the Enneagram uses, which is learning to hold the map. Mm. And uh, how do we learn to hold hold the map of our inner lives in such a way that we can begin to chart a path? Um, yeah, and 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 begin to chart a path of growth and transformation, uh, and that does require, like we've talked about before, that uh, the ego doesn't have the only word, or even the final mm-hmm. word, but uh, the ego has to have its proper seat at the table alongside the other, you know, quote unquote vo- voices that make up our ourself in the world, and uh, we have to understand that the ego can't can't drive the bus anymore. Right. So I think, but then this raises the question, right? And I think it, it that's begging to be asked, which is okay, if we understand potential, you know, if we understand personality to a level in which we begin to see potential and capacity for more, whatever that looks like, then we've got to begin to adopt some practice. Yeah, and I think, I mean, if they're going off of that map analogy, I mean, if you, having the most detailed, um, beautiful, wonderfully complex map in front of you doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. It shows you where you can go, and it shows you the ways you, you can move. And, and, and as anyone knows, I mean, who's ever, whoever has gone on like a, a trail or, or a drive, there's so, 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 so much more that you experience um, walking a trail 
that you never ever see on a map. Yeah. Um, and so you have to take those first steps. You have to keep returning to the next step, into mm-hmm. the next step, into the next step. And I think it's 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 often the thing that especially it's the hardest thing to do, <clears throat> but it is the the everything else is useless with outside of practice. Totally. Yeah. I think of uh, of uh, one of my favorite quotes from uh, Gurdjieff. He says, "Books are like maps." And there's also the necessity of traveling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which seems, uh, is an interesting concept since none of us are allowed to travel right now, but <laughs> it still holds. Right. <laughs> right, right. Right. Totally. Um, yeah. That's a profound yeah, th- quote. Yeah. Yeah. I think the tricky thing here too is, um, I've said this analogy before, you know how like you're, you've probably experienced when you're, you're in church and, and the pastor says something amazing and, you, and the person next to you says, amen, which is awesome because it's an affirmation, right? Of I, mm-hmm. I agree. This is, but a lot of times I think the, the way the brain is wired is that when I um, affirm, it feels like I've done something. It feels like I've grown or changed. Like when I add more information to, to my a false self or my, my ego mm-hmm. or the story I've told mm-hmm. about myself, it's sort of reinforcing who I'm not like when we confuse yeah. information for transformation, you know, that then sure. we sort of, it's like moving around the, the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's right. going down and it feels like we're doing something, but the ship's still going down. This false stuff, false self won't, yeah. won't last. Right. So yeah. 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 yeah, that's good. Yeah. I guess. In, I mean, in my own life, I've noticed. Um, so as dominant type four, the, the mantra that I, that I've adopted is, is, is kind of the I, I am not my emotions. I'm experiencing emotions, and mm-hmm. that is the hardest thing in the world for me to wrap my head around, especially when I'm caught in that vortex. Um, and that's through through breath work, through um, exercise, through um, meditation, and and just other a lot of different practices. In all those things, it is bringing me back to the thing. In the moment, um, and especially when I'm in a, a hyper emotional state that I feel out of control, I even I even sometimes um, it's a couple of ways I, I work with it. But imagining myself in an ocean, and like you're you're like waist deep, and there's like so many waves coming at you, and just kind of leaning into it, yeah. Um, and and almost befriending befriending those things, experiencing those things as um, something that is happening to you. It's mm. um, it's even in my in my meditation practice. It's sometimes I'm caught in emotion and I can't get out of my head. <laughs> Just kind of re- reminding myself um, and to kind of to allow the shadows to show to show me how they dance mm. and to watch how they move and be interested be curious and be amused on some level of oh yeah. that is like that's it's holding it much more lightly than what it feels yeah um being able to take uh kind of to take the emotions out of my chest and to display them in front of me and watch them interact. Um, mm-hmm. And it's those sort of practices where it is, it's not a detachment from those emotions. It's a, um, the word yeah. is non-attachment mm-hmm. to those emotions. Yeah. Where I am, I am not being affected. I'm not being controlled by them. I'm still being affected by them. You cannot not be, <laughs> you cannot not feel emotions yeah. uh, unless you hyper suppress them. Um, but if experiencing them it's about holding them lightly. It's holding them for what they are, and they are just a thing that is happening. Hmm. Totally, that's good. I'm, I'm totally with you, Creek, on on that man. I think the only way to actually change is to be affected and to experience something and encounter something for it to to move you. Like, and this involves having your heart open, and you feel it. But as you're saying, it's about non-attachment. It's about um, not identifying with it, not going with the story that you've wrapped up in that emotion mm-hmm. that you've that's been conditioned yeah. in your brain for so long. 
Um, yeah. But but once you feel it, as they say, like it's you know, ninety seconds of an emotion is how, how long uh, their technique lasts. But we're so wrapped up in emotions, we don't know how to actually feel something. M- most people don't know how to do that. But but it does arise and then it falls away. And then when it falls sure. away, you've you've basically you can train yourself to transcend um, wrapping your story up in that again, you know, and then you're, yeah. you're slowly becoming something more than what you always have been. Yeah. Abram, can you unpack transcend for, for people that aren't necessarily familiar with that sort of language? Um, yeah. When, when I think of transcending, it's kind of, as we, as we've been talking about both of us, like it's actually, it involves including, um, mm-hmm. where you previously have been, how you've previously emotionally managed and experienced the world but when you can allow the thing to rise and then fall this this um transcending is really about moving beyond the 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 normal ways that you would uh, be reacting in this kind of situation Mm. right right and just acknowledging i in some ways i see it as like transcending is um the awareness and acknowledgement that this thing is the thing that's happening and it's not okay and I don't want it to be okay. But then the including comes where it's like, but this thing is happening and that is okay. Yeah, totally. It involves acceptance, which I think a lot of people get uh, worried about because it's it's not condoning. Mm-hmm. It's not resigning myself to it. It's acceptance because um, it's sort of like in the 12 steps, you know, one of the first, I think it is the first one, you have to admit you're powerless and then mm-hmm. you can do something. Hmm. You have to accept yeah. the truth of the reality here. Yeah. In order to include it. Yeah. There, yeah. there seems to be that a small moment of acceptance between that transcending and that including. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I mean, this reminds me of a Latin phrase, solvitur ambulando, which okay. means it is, <laughs> wow. it's, I think it's attributed to St. Augustine, but I'm not sure if that's you know, if that's been verified or not, but, uh, but it essentially means it is solved by walking. Oh, oh yes. So <laughs> we have to yes. you know, put one foot in front of the other in our practice, whatever that looks like. Um, and we, we don't necessarily have time to get into type specific practices in this episode, but I think generally speaking, we have to put into practice uh, things that align and integrate our heads, our hearts, and our guts. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be able to do things that help our, our bodies be present <laughs> to our current moment and environment, our hearts to uh, feel the emotions in a way that we can recognize them and acknowledge them and welcome them, right? And our heads mm-hmm. to be able to think our way cognitively through what we're living and experiencing, right? And so, mm-hmm. and each type kind of has a unique blend of those intelligence centers, right? But, you know, through uh, our understanding of the triads and the stances of the social styles of the Enneagram. But if we can begin to adopt practices that allow us to align our heads, our hearts, and our guts, then we will start to get beneath, you know, these um, surface levels of personality and start, I think, living into our potential, talking with our friend uh, Kevin Smith yesterday, um, who we'll have on the podcast here eventually. But we were talking about eventually, eventually the inner critic learns to um, learns its role to being the inner observer. Hmm. And instead of criticizing and demanding that you be something else than what you are, it's it starts just observing and gathering information. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, with with any anyone that talks to me about the Enneagram, um, and they ask me like, what, what do I, what's my practice? What do I need to do to to uh, get rid of this or to whatever? And it's like, well, that's it's kind of the it's kind of the wrong question um, because uh, it's really it really is all about presence. It is all about awareness, and you you can be doing something that you're like, ah, oh, yes, this is my ego showing up. You can actually just observe it and then continue doing the same thing. That's, that's the power yeah. of the Enneagram is, is the observing and the awareness of your motivation, of your ego showing up. Eventually, you're, you're going to realize, huh, this is not what I want. 
and it's going to be a much more natural transition um, to into essence, into what you need to be doing. Um, it's not a it's not a forcing. It's it's so much more of just being and being aware and being um, present to what to yourself and to yeah. others. Totally. I think Dan it's Dan Siegel that says you name it to claim it or name name it <laughs> not to claim it, but to like a lot of people say that. Yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> you name it you name it to like take away its power, you know? Like when you and this is this in my mind is, is largely about what why in the book of James it talks about confess so that you might be healed. It's mm-hmm. about bringing to the surface something that's hiding in there that has power over you that you don't even know about. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and um but but really all, all I think all change is based in practice because uh the patterns we live in came from practicing them you know you have you have yeah. to unwi- unwire those things the way they were wired in the first place um so it's all about practice it's all about cultivating the capacity deeper 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 and deeper your ability to stay present when mm. um when your when your patterns or your patterned way of reacting is coming at you again, you know. When you're cultivating that that deeper ability to stay present amidst the things coming at you, you're you're what is it yeah. called? You're you're sort of deepening your window of tolerance, your mm-hmm. ability to regulate and stay stay here. Um, yeah. When when your when your patterns are coming at you and you want to keep going that way too, you know, because you're so used to it. But but it's like going to the gym, right? Yeah. It, it, that's that's what it requires. And I think of uh, lastly here, I think of. Uh, a lot of people quote Richard Rohr, but I actually believe it was Henry Nouwen who first wrote that you don't think your way into a new kind of living. You live your way into a new kind of thinking. Sure. So practice and practice and practice. practice and before yeah. long, over time with consistency, you find out, you know, you've become mm-hmm. something you previously weren't or or you unbecome yeah. as we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Well, and, and that's a critical point. I, I think that makes sense, but we have to continue to remind ourselves that this is lifelong work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like this is not something we just choose to do for 30 days, but this is something mm-hmm. that is really, a, it's a lifelong adoption of a set of practices, whether mm-hmm. they be contemplative practices, whether they be physical practices, whether they, whether they be kind of emotional awareness practices that really uh, help us see <laughs> that we have to engage in this over the course of our lives. Yeah. It's not just a, a quick fix. Uh, I think there, there's a, a Jewish rabbinical saying that is, uh, don't be afraid of work that has no end. Mm. And this is work that has no end. This work of yeah. becoming um, who we are truly meant to be uh, with an understanding of the Enneagram to help us is it's unending work, you know, which yeah. can be, uh, at, on one hand, it can be really demoralizing <laughs> because yeah. we want a quick fix. Yeah. But on the other hand, it should relax us that we don't have to, you know, as I say, uh, boil the ocean today. Mm. You know, we, mm. we can take incremental steps, uh, you know, and on the path and on the journey of the, you know, the map that is our inner lives. Yeah. And over time, look back and see how far mm-hmm. we've come. Yeah. Right. And I think, yeah. I, I mean, I think ultimately, zooming out a little bit, we we wouldn't want our journey to come to an end. We wouldn't, yeah. we wouldn't want our work to be done because work is what gives us meaning. I mean, I, I mean, not necessarily all of our jobs give, give us a sense of meaning, but our work does give us meaning. Yeah. Um, and to, it's not just the end, right? Yeah. Like it's the process matters. Yeah. The universe, the universe is infinite. And if we, um, if we limit it, then we're limiting our, um, our capacity to be larger, to be more, um, in tune, more in depth, more, more. Um, yeah. and why would we give that up? Yeah, that's good, man. That is good. It's, it's sort of just coming awake to the idea of that. Um, I've settled for enneagrammatically one ninth of my capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. should be frustrating and sad and we should grieve over it and, 
get angry about. But um, I want to also just mention that, um, similar to what you were saying, Drew, I, I do think change. It takes a lot of it takes courage, but it it usually yeah. looks more like more steps backwards in the beginning mm-hmm. than yeah. forwards because you're opening up wounds um, that your personality's covered over for so long. Yeah, right. Yeah, or often it yeah it does feel like <laughs> two two steps forward, one step mm-hmm. back. You know, yeah. it's yeah. it is it's brutal and beautiful work. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also really important, and I've I've, I've had to use this trick on myself sometimes um where it's when it comes to to doing hard things um it's not that i really i don't have to do it i don't have to uh i don't have to practice my instruments i don't have to go to this meeting i i don't have to talk to this person like those are choices that i can make but no actually I, I want to. That's yeah. the thing that I deeply actually want. And when when you're caught in that, oh my gosh, again, my type structure is showing up again. And yeah. <laughs> why do I have to keep coming back to this? Um, and it's like, no, you don't have to work on that. You don't have to choose against that. But you right. actually want to. Yeah. Um, you you can step, you get to step into it. And I know my parents always, <laughs> I mean, on some level, it's a little triggering, like, no, you get to wash the dishes. So. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> I don't understand that, but okay, I'll just wash the dishes. Um, <laughs> but well, it is, yeah. It, it, yeah. that small little shift of perspective can change, can open you up incredibly much. Right. Yeah. I, you mentioned parenting. It, I tell my kids, a lot and they typically roll their eyes and sigh at me when I do, but I mean it. Um, I'm being a little bit facetious with them, but I do mean this. I tell them a lot, Hey, you can do hard things, you know, you can do hard things. Yeah. And a lot of what we're talking about in this realm of practice, these are difficult things to do because they Mm -hmm. do require vulnerability and courage and, um, maybe facing some of the stuff that we've been avoiding Mm -hmm. for many, many years. But we can do hard things. And I think it's worth doing. These are things that are worth doing. They are yeah. our birthright, if you will. Yeah. Our capacity to, to become who we truly are is, is, uh, mm. is ours, you know, to, to yeah. live into. Yeah. yeah. It's the gift we've been given and the gift we get to give away. Yeah. Yeah. Doing hard things uh, kind of reminds me of maybe even just some practical stuff we could, we could share and okay. put out yeah. there. Sure. You know, besides like just the the idea of meditation, um, which might freak some people out, still that's fine. It's just really the idea of meditation is like we've said before. Um, it's cultivating your ability to stay when your when your patterning wants to mm-hmm. to keep you on automatic. Um, but uh, but doing hard things, I think of this Ignatian spiritual practice called Agir Contra. Mm. A-G-E-R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A and it means to act against Mm -hmm. and this is about acting against what comes natural or comfortable for you because well your capacity is outside of you know your patterning so you have to begin to open yourself up by practicing doing um, acting against so for example like as a nine you know we don't we don't like to draw attention to ourselves that's a difficult thing but I might literally, I haven't done this in a while, but I, I used to walk into a room and just make a loud noise to have literally all the attention. <laughs> and the idea yep. is that over time with practice and consistency, that becomes easier and easier and easier. And yeah. it's no longer a big deal. And you realize the, that fear is um, uh, keeps you blind to, it distorts your ability to see things correctly. So it just, you know, you become more able to be on on stage or in front of people or noticed but that's that's the idea of a gear uh, a gear contra acting against Mm -hmm. yeah that's one and and then i thought also we don't have to unpack this but but david daniel's five a's uh if you just google search that basically Mm -hmm. it's awareness acceptance appreciation action and adherence and it's so so good and helpful i don't I don't remember if this is Tom Condon or Russ Hudson, but 
the method of change. There's standing back, oh, yeah. there's going against, there's going with, and going mm. beyond. So standing yeah. back is just that developing of the inner observer, just being curious about what's inside. Going against is kind of what Abram was talking about. So if, I don't know, you're feeling, you're feeling down or something, go for a walk. Like you, you feel yeah. like sitting there and go for a walk. Um, going with is kind of exaggerating the thing. It's, it's exaggerating the story that you're telling yourself mm-hmm. and, and finding where's the reality and where's the perception. Yeah. And then going beyond is uh, modeling from other people that you admire. Um, it's, it's imagining what it would be like to have X. What if I, what if I did have my value? What if I did have my safety? What if I did have my autonomy? Um, it's just, it's kind of like searching in the darkness of like, mm, like kind of with your eyes closed, you know, trying to find your phone in the middle of the night. It's like, I know it's out there, but where is that? I'll just keep feeling around. Um, so those are four ways you can do that. Um, and uh, obviously, specific practices can go with that too. Um, yeah, that's good. But we can we can probably get into more more specific things later. Yeah, yeah, we can certainly type specific or um, there's all sorts of ways we could go at it. And ev- every faith tradition, you know, uh, that you may or may not be um, practicing, or at least a part of, or coming from, has a a whole host of contemplative practices that can be really helpful in this work of aligning our heads and our hearts and our, our guts in some really helpful ways. So there's, there's a, all sorts of options out there. A plethora. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in summary, the Enneagram, it's not just about personality but it's getting beneath that layer of personality to start uh, understanding potential and then adopting practices that start uh, help us live into that potential. Yeah. And it's Name good it work and it's it. worthwhile. <laughs> Name it to claim yeah. it, no. <laughs> it was actually, it was to tame it. Oh, oh. I just remembered. Ooh, I just remembered. <laughs> okay. Name it to tame it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so our encouragement to you is... An encouragement to ourselves, which is uh, to not neglect the practice, because um, that's where change and transformation occurs. Yeah. And also, speaking of practice, you know, we really want to actually try and provide you with a few options for practice. You know, some tangible ways. So we're going to do a, a giveaway. We're excited about this. Yeah. Um, I will be giving away uh, a one-hour typing session and I'll probably be loose with that hour if you are we can go longer <laughs> if you'd like to but you know involved with that it is just inevitably some some coaching as well but also from Creek they'll be doing the same with with an hour typing session um, and Drew actually has a if you've been listening to this for very long you know Drew has an amazing book coming out we've all read it and stoked it's amazing seriously it's, it's one of the so one good. of the better books out there for sure yes. on the Enneagram it's not a bunch of regurgitation and whatever blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I'm super excited about this. Drew is going to be giving away um, an Enneagram of Discernment gift box bundle that includes uh, a signed copy of his book, which releases June 23. Um, but also some uh, beautiful um, Enneagram of Discernment swag. I wonder what that looks like. We all love and, swag. <laughs> also, Creek, are you giving away uh, a, a guided meditation? What's that look like? Yeah, no, it's so it's based off of my previous album, Dirt. Um, and I lead you through a breathing exercise. And then it's all five tracks strung together. Um, and it's kind of meant to be experienced all at once. And yeah. I was going to say, um, it's an experience, y'all. A beautiful one. So that's included in my yes. gift box bundle, yeah. by the okay. way. Okay. Yes. Yes. Just so you know. Just to be clear. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> and uh, also uh, Thank you for discerning that difference, Drew. A question. Oh. Okay. That's bad. <laughs> You're, I see what you did there. <laughs> Discernment jokes. Discernment <laughs> jokes. <laughs> so these one hour typing sessions that you're that you each are offering, are these via video? Or how yes. would they be deployed? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Video. Zoom. Okay. And can I enter so I can mess with you on <laughs> these video calls? You have to wear a mask. Oh, wait. <laughs> Never mind. I don't think I can enter. Dumb joke. Okay. Dumb joke. Drew, yes, how do these people sign up for these wonderful okay. gifts? So here's how. So again, we're offering three things a one hour typing session with Abram, a one hour typing session with Creek, 
and then a gift box um, that includes my book. So there'll be three winners. Here's how you enter to win. So if you go to our Instagram feed at fathoms.enneagram, again, at fathoms.enneagram, follow that account, look for the giveaway post. So we're going to have a post devoted to this giveaway, like that post. And then in the comments, make sure you tag someone, tag a friend. Okay. Now here, uh, you can stuff the ballot box by entering multiple times by doing a few things. So you can get multiple entries by tagging more than one person in the comments. That gets you more entries. Or by sharing the giveaway post in your Instagram story feed. So winners will be announced uh, one week from the date that this episode drops. So that would be Thursday, June 4th. We'll announce the winners on our Instagram feed. So good luck. Yes. There will be no recount. One quick... (laughs) (laughs) one Hanging chads. One real quick thing. Uh, When you do share the post to your Instagram story, make sure to tag us because it does not notify us by if you just share the post. And we can't count it and know that it So... Um, awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening so much. Uh, hope you gained some level of, um, ways you can start taking your personality into potential through practice. Um, thank you everyone so much for listening, um, for coming out. We love you so much. Talk to you later. Thank you, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Truthwork Media Studios.